This is the Church Planning Podcast. Thank you for tuning in. Every week we sit down with leaders who are shaping church planning efforts. Here's your host, Josh Taransky and Clint Clifton. Hey, welcome to the Church Planting Podcast. My name is Josh Taransky, and I'm joined by Clint Clifton. Clint, great to see you. Yeah. How are things going? Uh, things are good, Josh. It's great to see you, too. Good. Well, I'm really excited about this episode, and this has been in the can for a long time. It's called the Praetorian Project. Yes. So tell us. Tell us about it. Man, I started a church at the headquarters of the Marine Corps, uh, Quantico, and uh, every Marine Corps officer begins his career in Quantico, and so I I moved here to plant the church, and uh, I've been working with Marines uh, um, for now 15 years, and um, that initiative to start that new church was mainly because... Uncle Sam was sending people all over the globe, and um, I saw that as an opportunity to spread the gospel uh, by uh, by sending the gospel with those Marines as they go. In the same way that Paul said that the gospel had become known throughout the whole world because of his imprisonment and his proclamation of the gospel to the Praetorian Guard. And so uh, I imagined doing something like a modern equivalent of that here at Quantico, and it has been the coolest run of my life to be uh, a party to uh, seeing these incredible men and women uh, take the gospel around the world as Uncle Sam sends them. And uh, so I'm excited, super excited to share with you guys um, all that the Lord's done or as much as I can in two hours of what the Lord's done uh, over the last 15 years in regard to that project. Awesome. Yeah. So this is going to be broken up into two separate episodes, part one, part two, and um, here's part one. Brian O'Day, excited to have the executive director of the Praetorian Project on the Church Planning Podcast. It is good to be here, Clint. Glad to be on the Church Planning Podcast and looking forward to talking about the Praetorian Project. Yeah, I don't know if I've ever been more excited about an episode of the, of the podcast because this is so near and dear to my heart. This is like this is this is what we've been working on for f- for fifteen years, uh, and we've been working on it for a long time. Um, I'm the guy that nobody's ever heard of. You've had guys that people have heard of on your podcast, but uh, yeah, I'm one of the guys yeah, nobody's heard ever you, heard of. You've heard of me. That's yeah, right. yeah, it's okay. That's the way we like it. Yeah. We're, we're bringing you the cutting edge of church planting here on the podcast. You so you, you don't expect to have heard from the people because they're, they're going to do great things in the future. So what we're going to do, this is an ambitious episode here, two episodes actually. What we're going to do is we're going to attempt to unfold for you the, the beginnings, the origins, and the up to current day of, of a church planting network. So we want you to see what's happened uh, in our effort to multiply churches in military communities. And we're just going to kind of walk through the whole timeline for you, how each of the guys came to the table and were called and what the Lord has done and all of that. So, Brian, you're going to you're going to kind of walk us through this uh, from a timeline standpoint. So start us off by telling us how the Praetorian Project originated, how it got started. Yeah, Clint, you started uh, Pillar Church really within a mile or two of the main gate of Marine Corps Base Quantico. 
what were you thinking as you started this church? Uh, I was 23, first of all, so I wasn't thinking a whole lot. But uh, what I was thinking was there is an incredible opportunity here. The U.S. government is sending people all over the world and they are before they send them all over the world they're training them to be world-class leaders they are uh, instilling bravery commitment courage in them and i saw this vision opportunity to use to harness those things that were already true for the spread of the gospel and it was a very naive, youthful idea, but it's an idea that I think only a young, zealous guy could believe in. I think I'm too old and cynical now to believe in an idea like that, but I'm so glad that I did at that time because uh, I don't think the project would exist if we didn't. And when you say spreading the gospel, you're talking about a multiplying church plant. Like Your desire was that your church plant uh, would multiply early and often. Is that right? Yeah, but specifically, I mean, the thing that lots of people want to multiply their churches early and often, I think the, the thing that made this unique was we we wanted to catch the wave of the Marine Corps to do it. The Marine Corps is already moving people around. So instead of, you know, one of the hard things about church planning is getting people to uproot their lives and move. Well, the Marine Corps, that's already happening. Um, people are uprooting their lives and move. So it felt like, to me, it felt like this a missed opportunity to give um, military service members, Marines specifically, a passion for the spreading of Jesus's fame. Um, and they're already going to be moving. I don't have to convince them to do that. As we started to do that, though, it became really clear to me that I wasn't the person that was going to lead uh, this local church to do that. I played a role in that. But the systems that needed to be built and the discipleship that needed to be happened, the continued growth at Pillar Church of Dumfries, the church I planted, uh, I wasn't gifted to carry that out. I was passionate about and gifted for raising up, developing leaders for multiplying churches. And uh, I started to notice that one of the leaders in our congregation, um, Colby Garman, who had previously been a missionary for us and come off the mission field and was serving in the church uh, that he, I started to believe that he was the person that God was calling uh, to that work. And so we're going to just take a few minutes and hear from Colby. Yeah. So I've had the opportunity to be a part of the pillar story from the beginning. Yeah. Uh, in 2010, really had the opportunity to jump back into what was going on at pillar and, eventually coming on staff and into the preaching role and, and all of that arrived at a time when the project was, uh, the, the project itself was still an idea. Yeah. It didn't even have a name. We had this idea that we could plant other churches near Marine Corps bases, particularly. And, uh, and really came into it at that point. Yeah. Um, Which is kind of crazy because we're a lot more sober-minded now about our ability to accomplish something than I think we were back then. We had not actually accomplished much of anything at that point, yet we were very optimistic about our... Yeah, we were we were optimistic, but there was sort of a chastened op- optimism. Yeah. We kind of thought of this. That originally, you know, we were going to plant in four, the four main locations where 80% yeah. of the Marine Corps was, and we saw that in some respect is like a career project yeah oh yeah for sure and uh and so it was like oh hopefully over the next 10 20 years we can do this thing yeah and i don't think any of us expected to get to that point in like three or four years and to be poised really where we're at you know to to see really 
some great multiplication happen over the next five to ten years. Yeah. Yeah. One part of the story that I think is interesting related to you, um, there were two seasons, I feel like, that really, for me, were um, critical in in the... existence of pillar uh, one season was me and you and bill jessup at stafford baptist right. where i had the freedom to dream about the future in a way and bill was it, it, so he's a dreamer, he's a dreamer and yeah. he was so encouraging of the dreams of our dreams right and um he really saw no boundaries at all um and so that season when i was you know 23 ish and kind of trying to figure out what I was going to do with my life. Uh, and he was pouring like, you know, yes into me a lots of Absolutely. sure you can do whatever, do something <laughs> do so some... far out in the deep. If the Lord removes his hand, you know, you'll sink. That was his ethos. It was his ethos. Yes. Yeah. And, uh, and so that was an important season where I got to dream kind of unfettered, you know, yeah. and then, um, another season like that was when you came back off the mission field and began attending pillar, um, and, and we've talked about this a little bit on this podcast, but you and me and Brian O'Day and Roy Garza, um, all being all there at the, at the same, same time. time there. Yeah. I mean, I can remember being at your office in your house in Locust Grove yeah. and you talking through like, Hey, every time I've been praying for the members at pillar and every time I come to this one guy's name, he's a brand new member. I feel like I'm supposed to ask him to preach, you know, and just even encouraging you like, well, just reach out to him and find out what's going on, you know? And that was, that would be Brian O'Day. Monumental, you know, shift in his life. And yeah. Yeah. So that, those two seasons were really fun. I think if there's anything to take from that, maybe it's that it's important to foster the dreams of those around you. I mean, cause yeah. literally a, a few discouraging words in those key conversations and this whole thing wouldn't be here. So in my mind, you've popped on the scene of the Praetorian project in three kind of significant ways. Number one, in the beginning when, when we're, that was being formulated, number two, when you came back sort of in the role of a uh, discouraged missionary, um, right. trying to figure out what you're going to do with the next phase of your life. And next as the person that's the primary face and leader at Pillar Dumfries and kind of leading out in vision and preaching at Pillar Dumfries. And coupled with that has been your role in the formation of the board of directors now that we have um, and, and helping Brian's role become clear. And, and so, man, you've been a, a critical part of the whole thing from the very beginning. So... We had this guy in our congregation named Bob Boyk, and he's a really lively character. Um, he was a, a Navy chef, if I remember right. Yeah. And uh, and Bob, Bob, um, when he departed Pillar, he had heard he was leaving to go on assignment about the time that our church was really um, solidifying this idea. And we had been talking about it publicly a little bit. It's certainly been talking about it with individual men in our church and kind of the leadership. We'd been talking about formulating this into a plan. And that plan, I think, around that time had even been named. We'd, we'd come up with the name Praetorian Project after a few failed attempts. Uh, a few wanna, failed wanna... attempts, yeah. No, that's good. Yeah. Yeah, we were. Uh, I was really advocating for the URA initiative, which uh, got promptly shot down by all the Marines in our church. Promptly shot but, down, uh, yes. As it should have been. Yeah, I'm still. I still think it would have been a good move. I think we'd be a lot further along if we'd have gone with Uran. I I disagree. All right. Well, anyway, (laughs) so Bob, um, when he was getting ready to depart, and you know, they're just sort of a normal family. He was a Navy guy. He was a good husband and dad, and and all that stuff. But, but he 
he came up and, and said, hey, I've, I've got a gift that I want to give to the church upon our departure, and I want you to use this, uh, this gift that I'm going to give to help with that idea that you've been talking about. And, uh, and he gave us a check for $5,000, which was, you know, for a military service member's family, that's a huge sacrifice. You, you don't come across $5,000 very easily. And, uh, man, he, he gave that to us, and we decided to invest every penny of that in making a film. And it's an eight-minute film, and we actually hired a um, filmmaker from Europe to come over and make it because he was, he was really good. And uh, we spent every bit of that and then some on making that film, and that film has been you know, a really critical milestone in unifying our project around this great idea. Yeah. So you get this gift to, uh, to have a video. What was the big goal that you set out in the video? It wasn't just you, you were kind of the, the spokesperson in the video, uh, but you interviewed some members of Pillar Dumfries and Roy Garza. I, I was actually trapped down here in Eastern North Carolina, riding out a hurricane at the time. Um, but, uh, you laid out a goal. What was the goal of the project in 2011 shooting that first video? Well, rather than tell you what the goal is, why don't we just play a little clip? Man, that's great. 80% of the Marine Corps is based in one of four locations, the greater Washington DC area, Eastern North Carolina, Southern California, and the islands of Japan. Each of these locations is home not only to one Marine Corps base, but to a cluster of Marine Corps bases that compose thousands and thousands of Marines. Marines that are in desperate need of new gospel-centered churches. The situation that we're in is really unique because we're planning a church near a Marine Corps base where all Marine Corps officers have to come through for training. Uh, hundreds and thousands of enlisted members will come to support and to train these lieutenants. That's why Quantico is called the Crossroads of the Marine Corps. The exciting thing is that God is calling men from our church to plant these new churches. This year we have plans to plant another new church here at Quantico, and next year a church in Eastern North Carolina. And then the year beyond that, we hope to be planting in Southern California and eventually in Japan. We see a day when Pillar isn't just one church at one Marine Corps base, but rather it's a network of churches at every Marine Corps base around the world. And if we can have an effect in one of the, these Marines' lives with the gospel, we know that it will go far. It, it will spread to other bases as well. To plant churches uh, around these Marine Corps installations is going to be a great blessing for many Marines and many families for years to come. We know this is a big dream, but we serve a big God. And we're seeking a hundred churches that would help us make this Marine initiative a reality. All right, so there we have it. The goal for locations, Northern Virginia, check. Eastern North Carolina, we think is going to be happening in the near future as I'm preparing to deploy to Afghanistan and then plant the church. Southern California, still just kind of a, an idea, pipe a pipe dream, so to speak. <laughs> yeah. Islands of Japan, kind of this far out big idea. <laughs> Nebulous. <laughs> Maybe God will do it one day. I'm thinking, I don't know what you're thinking at this time when that video comes out. It was a great video, by the way. But uh, I'm thinking this is something cool to dedicate the next 10, 15, 20 years to. And maybe one day we really will get all the way to the islands of Japan. Yeah, I think all of us, Brian, were, I, if we were all in the same room and able to talk about this together, I think there was a sense that, yes, the Lord was solidifying this idea. 
and it was happening a lot faster than any of us anticipated in terms of God was calling people and formulating church planning teams and creating opportunities. And within just a few years, those churches had been formed. Yeah. So we have, uh, shortly after that video, uh, the first churches sent out right there uh, in Northern Virginia as well. So not really another area, but another church uh, there in Northern Virginia. And, and we decide in fall of 2012 to have a, a meeting, a Praetorian Project meeting. And so we sit yes. around. Any any memories from that meeting? We had it down in Jacksonville, <laughs> North Carolina. Any memories from that yeah. meeting? Yeah, I do. I remember one thing real distinctly about that meeting. It was the first time we'd had a fight, um, an argument over a matter, and I I started the fight. I remember that. Some would call it a discussion, but maybe it maybe was a, an argument. It was intense, intense fellowship. A sharp, what had happened, a sharp disagreement, I believe, would be sharp, the biblical uh, rendering. That's right, of a it. sharp rebuke. Yeah. So what happened was Jonathan Davis uh, came in, and he had made himself for the church that he led a pin that uh had our branding and logo on it but it was pixelated and sort of stretched out it wasn't the the aspect ratio wasn't right and the pin was red which we had some very in my mind clear color scheme which was green and black and so he'd made a red pin with a stretched out logo on it and and i said you know like something like who made this pin you know and i was you know, making fun of the pen and saying, this is, this is terrible. This is an awful reflection on us. It, it, you're, you made a bad pen and it reflects on me and my church. And so maybe, maybe it was a little melodramatic, but it did highlight an important thing about what we were doing together. Yeah. So what do you think, what was it about the red pens that, that caused you to, uh, to not like it and to want something different? What was it that you wanted that was different? Yeah, what it was, was I imagined from the beginning, this being a, a, an effort that we did together, that there was, uh, from the outsider's point of view, there was obvious, um, we were obviously synced up. And that pen represented a group of people who are not synced up, you know, they were, who are representing themselves in different ways. Yeah. And so really one of the big things that came out of that meeting was uh, that we represent one another, uh, that we want to choose to work together uh, to not just do our own thing and that decisions we make in local churches will represent one another. All of us had a strong passion to uh, to have autonomous churches, that churches that are led by their local elders and uh, their local congregations but that we would choose together to work uh, for common goals. And we wanted, as uh, service members transition from one of our churches to another one of our churches, that there would be a commonality of things where they would feel at home. So when they walk in your church uh, after being part of my church, that they would feel at home. There would be some things that would be familiar to them as they've just picked up their family and moved because the military told them to, and they would have something to, to feel like they were home. Uh, and then they would get accustomed to good teaching, good preaching, good music, uh, different personality of different churches. But we really wanted to fight for the autonomy of the local church. But we wanted to do so together. And uh, autonomy generally happens. But uh, I think one of the big things from the Red Pens was realizing that we have to do this together. And our decisions locally will affect us as a, as a group. Yeah. One of the things I remember walking away with 
from that was a strong urge to like franchise this thing, you know, like I wanted to make it sort of, you know, the, the only image that was coming to my mind was like McDonald's, you know, I want to, I want somebody to have the same experience when they walk into a McDonald's here and on the other side of the world, you know, roughly the same experience. But as I let that idea process through my mind a little bit and compute a little bit, that actually wasn't what I wanted. It wasn't at all what I wanted. I didn't want, I didn't want people to notice the superficial things about us being the same, but us not be substantively the same. So it, it took a little bit of time for that to kind of shift in my mind, but eventually it settled, I think, for all of us on more of a family idea. Like, um, I have a son, and my son will have some of my similarities and characteristics. Hopefully he'll share an ethos with me, like some a core set of beliefs um, that, are, that are the most important things about him. But he's going to be a little bit different than me. He's going to express himself in a little bit different way. Um, but he's still, he's still my son and he still like sort of bears my name and is, is with me. So that, that was an important distinction in my mind going from sort of franchise mentality to a family mentality. Yeah, no, that's good. And so one of the other big things that came out of that first meeting was that we would unapologetically plant churches with guys who were raised up in our churches. And so we, we set up this requirement that a church planter out of any of our churches that would be a pillar church, that would be a Praetorian Project church, would have been a member of that church for at least one year. Uh, so does that yeah. kind of go into this idea of family and knowing each other and relationships and those types of things? Yeah, because, you know, this is the advent of church planting assessments and, and people were starting to assess planters and endorse them and that sort of thing. And and again, that's very business language. You know, it's 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 not bad and it's better than doing nothing, but it's not the best idea either. The best thing, the church is the best assessment, you know, the local church, like living with somebody in community, watching them love their wives, watching them raise their kids, watching them serve the body. Those are the best kinds of assessments. And when I spend a year uh, or more with somebody in fellowship and close community as a brother and sister in Christ in the same church, I learn sorts of things, the sorts of things about them that are going to give me confidence to, to heartily, you know, endorse and support them as they go out and plant churches. And that's really what it settled out to be. I'm preparing to plant. I'm getting ready to get out of the Marine Corps, uh, getting ready to start down here in Jacksonville, North Carolina. And one of the big things you and a lot of the other guys in the group were starting to talk about was that I need a planting partner. Uh, I need to do this with somebody. Um, I needed somebody to kind of round out my giftedness and just help the church plant really well. And so uh, I was introduced to uh, Jonathan Ransom uh, during that annual meeting, and he hung out with us during that meeting. And uh, it was kind of an interesting moment because you could have, being up there in Dumfries, said, hey, this is another church planter, and so he's going to be at Dumfries. We've already sent Brian out to plant. We're going to raise up John here in Northern Virginia to send out somewhere else. But actually, uh, I think you encouraged him to come with me. Uh, whether yeah. he did or not, he came with me, and then we were able yeah. to send him out from us. So talk about planting together in teams and some of those types of things. I think we all recognized from the very beginning of John's involvement that he was going to be a key player in the project. Um, but uh, he he connected really well with you and respected you um, and wanted to work in an environment with enlisted Marines more than he did want to work with officers, I think. 
And so you that was way more your situation. Plus, you were you had more obvious needs. Pillar Dumfries was more established and kind of rooted at that time, and you guys were, you know, just just beginning. Yeah, I think it also uh, set up the situation where it's not just. This is not a network where a mother church is spitting out all these church plants, but actually it's a network where all the ch- churches are aiming to be multiplying churches. So right now we yeah. are a family of churches that is six or sorry, seven churches. You're right. When when Pillar Jacksonville and and uh, really started taking on the responsibility of developing people and sending them themselves, that really felt like another another layer, another step. And uh, and Pillar Jacks didn't take them long to get get their uh, get their first experiences in church planting. Yeah, exactly. So 2013, Pillar Church Jacksonville launched uh, January 2013. So that's the second area that we heard in the video. So Northern Virginia, good. Uh, secondly, Eastern North Carolina. And then one year later, we sent Jonathan Ransom out to Oceanside, California. So in 2014, Area 3, Southern California, is now reached. And then John Ransom, he partnered up with somebody. Same thing, this uh, planting with a partner. He met up with a guy that was already on the ground there, Trace Martinez. Uh, So we saw the value of partnership there. My name is Trace Martinez. I'm the pastor of Pillar Church of Oceanside in Oceanside, California, right outside of Marine Corps Base Camp Pendleton. Started in September 2014. I got introduced to the Praetorian Project in December of 2012. I was active duty Marine Corps at the time in Quantico, Virginia for a work conference and was connected by a mutual friend to to, to Clinton Colby and a very God sort of ordained thing and I was only there for less than two days and uh, we got connected, sat down for lunch and heard everything about what was going on at the time and was really actually very excited about the opportunity of of what the project was seeking to do and reaching the Marine Corps at that time exclusively and was immediately drawn in. I was leaving that meeting wondering what the future would look like for us, my family, and that project, and saw the video, the original Praetorian Project video, and shared that with my wife, who is a former Marine as well, and we were, were convinced immediately that God was, was doing something. Yeah. Hey, Trace, when I, um, when I, you know, the way you just described that was really benevolent, uh, but when I, what I remember about our first interaction was that we kind of, like, gang-rushed you, <laughs> you know, you, you were... It was like you were in town for a um, an event or something, and your pastor tipped us off to the fact that you were here. And I don't even know if I really like had his permission to go after you, but but we met you, didn't know you, met up with you in a subway restaurant for like an hour meeting, and basically barfed on you for the whole meeting and told you all about what we were passionate about and excited about. And to hear you say now that you left there excited about it is a surprise because I remember I remember me and Colby getting in the car and thinking we're never going to hear from that guy again. <laughs> It was quite the experience, to say the least, and but but the passion and the excitement for what you guys were doing is what really drew me in. I could tell, you know, that there was certainly something happening. God was at work, but I, yeah, it was it was a fire hose of information, no doubt. And but but all good. 
we dove in right away. I mean, we, we started holding interest meetings. We formed a core team just as most people would do. And we had the support of a local church here that was not affiliated with the project at all, but was really kingdom-minded in allowing us to set up on their campus. Um, and we launched in September of 2014 with about eh, 40 people or so on our core team and um, immediately recognized that we were going to be up against the, the similar challenges of other churches in our network with constant turnover. And so within, within the first year, we had on the table uh, John Ransom and his family considering to go and plant in Japan and me facing retirement and figuring out what that all looked like and looking back now we can totally see that was absolutely God's hand and his timing although at the time it didn't seem like it was wise at all we we supported it and we went for it and we see now afterwards that man it was it was absolutely the right thing to do what would you say about the experience you've had working really closely with some other church planters that are trying to do the same kind of thing you are? Uh, how, how meaningful that's been to you or your family? Or... Yeah, I would highly encourage anybody considering church planting to not begin the, the, the process without a dedicated partner. At the very least, team would be ideal. We have seen time and time again how that has really been sort of the cornerstone of our leadership structure and our ability to be flexible, our ability to, to meet a lot of different needs uh, simultaneously. We have seen, really the, the, the neat thing is the opportunity for guys to step into positions, I think that maybe they wouldn't normally have the opportunity to, to thrive in at maybe an established church or places where you kind of got to sit for for a season to to really get engaged in in meaningful leadership but but by and large we have um, seen the benefit of that and and others in fact people in the church are like how does this work like they're not used to seeing multiple people up front preaching or sharing the load and as soon as they see it in in action they get it like okay one person yeah. shouldn't have to shoulder this load one person can't meet all the needs of these people and and it and then when we point them to the scriptures and say, look, this is this is why we're doing this. You know, this is not only the biblical model, but it's something that is is just so practical. So you guys decided to, you know, in sort of the spirit of the project, um, plant early. You know, some might say too early. Uh, so describe what Pillar Church of Oceanside looked like when you planted your first church. Yeah, so we are inside a year at this point when John Ransom, my planting partner, felt a call to an opportunity in Japan. We were very young, obviously, at that point, still trying to figure out what we were supposed to look like as a church. Um, we hadn't really invested much in the the longevity of things, leadership development, some of the some of the things that we have since learned to be uh, the priority kind of things, and we put it out to the church at a members meeting, and there was surprisingly little pushback. It just seemed yeah. like everybody was aware of how significant this move was. And in spite of seeming like the wrong thing to do in terms of the, you know, the natural, they supported it. And, and we, we moved forward with it and it happened actually very quickly. And within a matter of months, the decisions were made and the pieces were put in place and we transitioned and by God's grace, it, it has been 
great on both ends. Like Pillar Okinawa obviously is is doing extremely well. The Lord is moving there. We've continued to be sustained here. And so in those moments it can be so challenging to to trust, you know, that the Lord is is at work. But uh, th- that faithful step really helped us both grow in our faith as churches and as as people who just want to be obedient to what God is doing. Yeah. That you know, move to the West Coast uh, that we were just talking about. It it happened again a little bit later after John left and started Pillar Okinawa. That Roy and his family came over to Twenty Nine mm-hmm. Palms. Now that was initiated by East Coast churches and kind of primarily supported by churches on the East Coast in our project. But y- your relationship with them has been has been important to describe what it's been like to have you know another Pillar Church over there. It's been awesome. I mean, even though they're a little bit further than we would would like, it, we've kind of felt that it has been an, an East Coast sort of um, emphasis just by by design and coming out this way. Um, but having having Roy and Ben and the team out there, just knowing that they're they're another group of folks that are like minded on this coast, has been encouraging. We've we've done a couple of things with them. We've done a uh, an ultimate frisbee tournament, church on church which we are going to turn into an annual event. We're going to do it again in, in the spring. Uh, we've preached at each other's churches. You know, we've had the benefit of, of having that support system. So, um, and we, we send people yeah. out there quite often, in fact, on training. And so just knowing that there is a, a healthy church there that we can send our folks to, even if just temporarily. And when you say you send people out there, you mean the Marine Corps sends Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, which is awesome. I mean, that's uh, the, for those who are listening to this who are, you know, maybe not as familiar with military life. The the Marine Corps has just got a few installations and the guys are just circling between those installations pretty much all the time. And so it's very common that if a if a person in our church here in Quantico says, hey, I'm, I'm getting orders, I'm going somewhere different. I mean, it's almost certain at this point that they're going to somewhere that there is already a pillar church. And, um, and we can just say, oh yeah, these are the guys you need to plug in with. And so that's been such a, such a fun part of the Mm -hmm. project. It was kind of like the dream of the project 10 years ago or, or whatever, seven years ago. And, and today it's the reality of the project that, um, we get to send in, we're not just sending guys off to churches that ideologically agree with us or philosophically agree with us. We're sending them to people we love and know. And uh, it's always so fun for me to go show up at one of the churches and rather I'm preaching or just kind of attending to see 30% of the congregation or people that I've pastored before somewhere else. It's just, it's really fun. You guys are about to plant a second church, your five, six-year-old church, and you're planting your second church. Tell us about how God uh, called you guys to do that. Right. So we have a, just a fantastic young man with us now who is a former Marine and a former crew military missionary and God led him to us not knowing that at the time he was going to be church planting but through his time with us has really discovered a passion for church planting he's always had a passion for reaching the military and over the last several months he has begun to transition toward a full-time church planting mode so your first church planting project was across the world with uh, your your co-planting partner one year into your plant and if that wasn't dangerous and uh, precarious enough uh, you decide to send one of your elders out uh, in year five to a local plant which probably have some of your folks go with him right yeah we're, we're really excited about having 
um, direct access, <laughs> if you will, um, to with Daniel right down the street. I think it's going to be a completely different experience for us, um, but it's going to be good. Uh, I'm really excited for our church members to be able to directly participate. And, you know, we make those big asks for people to move down and, and serve with Daniel and his team and, and for us to see firsthand what church planting looks like is going to be really, really good for us. So Trace's ministry partner when he planted Pillar Church of Oceanside was Jonathan Ransom. And it wasn't long before Jonathan was headed to the other side of the world to plant Pillar Church of Okinawa. So we were we were in North Carolina. We were on vacation. We're at my brother-in-law's place. He's still an active duty Marine. And um, my wife and I are really just Googling ministry options around the world. I mean, we were thinking maybe Africa, maybe Canada, an international city, something along those lines. And really just had no idea. And I'm sitting there at the computer and a, a, a friend of mine who's connected to a family back in Binghamton, their kids had been in our youth group and stuff like that. He he had been a Marine. And um, so he, he his church had featured this promo video for the Praetorium Project. And so what he was doing was just sending it out to any of his friends who had also been Marines, not so much to say, hey, get connected, but hey, check this out. This is awesome. You should be yeah. praying for these guys. So I get the message on Facebook, I click play, and I'm probably 15 seconds into the video, maybe less. And it was as if all of these pieces of my life from different seasons kind of came together in a way where you could see just some of God's providence over time, reasons why he had allowed me to go here or experience this or spend time as a Marine, just all these things. And just really had an immediate sense that this was something that we should pursue. So I shared it with my wife. Uh, we get back to New York, and uh, we were actually in the hospital with our, our foster son at the time, and um, ended up, he was sleeping, and so we ended up down in the family room and ended up on a call with you, Clint, and with Colby, and that was kind of our first conversation about what would it look like to become a part of the uh, the Pillar family and work with the Praetorian Project. Yeah, and at that time, um, one of the things that's unique about our relationship with you is uh, it was one of the first relationships we had, maybe the first relationship we had that wasn't um, a Marine coming to our church as a regular church member and then receiving a call to plan a church, but yet somebody from the outside who learned about the project from the outside. And so there was a little bit of, on our side, a little bit of, we don't know how to compute this exactly. Mm. We did put this video out and we wanted people to know about it, but we didn't exactly think that God might be preparing other people in other places. Um, but it was really, it was really clear uh, pretty quickly that the Lord was uh, calling you guys. And it's been exceptional to see how God's used you in our, in our setting. Yeah. So you guys invited me to participate in the next, um, I think, it, I don't think it was quarterly. I think it was an annual gathering of the current planters and maybe some of the f future potential planters. It was actually going to be down in Jacksonville, North Carolina. And I think Brian O'Day was, was hosting that in a yeah. friend's home or was hosting it and um, so he was he was in the beginning stages, getting ready to plant Pillar Church of Jacksonville, and uh, yeah, as a network, we we value planting in in pairs whenever possible. So Brian was looking for that other guy, and and so I, we traveled down. Um, actually, I think that meeting happened right after the Marine Corps Marathon too, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. I think it was the same weekend. That was my first marathon experience. My wife and I, and my oh man, I can't remember if our daughter was with us at the time. We get back in the car, just 
hours after finishing the marathon and drove that night down to to Jacksonville. <laughs> so I was just physically and mentally and probably emotionally gone. Yeah. Um, yeah, but we get down there and just had a great weekend with the guys, uh, really connected with Brian. And to this day, we still joke about it. I mean, Jacksonville is as much, I mean, North Carolina, it, he is he is native to the state. And Jacksonville, he spent so much time there. It was essentially his home. Yeah. And he, he probably lived 15 minutes from this rural airport and uh, actually got lost on the way from his home to the airport, which we still joke about. Um, but really, <laughs> in, in getting lost and having a prolonged conversation, kind of solidified this desire to to co-plant together, if at all possible, in Jacksonville. So that was 2012, and then we would move down there in early 2013. They had, they had planted already, you know, a couple of weeks prior to us arriving. They'd had a couple gatherings in their home. So I think we showed up three or four weeks into the deal and, yeah. um, and got to work with them. Yeah. And then you guys transitioned pretty quickly. You were there like maybe a year or so. Yeah, yeah, it was so fast. Time. I mean, we were there for for a year total. I think we moved down right around Valentine's Day, and I think we took off right around Valentine's Day a year later. It was something yeah. like that. But you know, we were only the intent was to help plant, to co-plant with him, and then be sent out. So we knew that yeah. we knew that all along. We just didn't know where we were going to go. And so about six months in, maybe less, we took a, a scouting trip out to. Uh, Camp Pendleton to Oceanside, California, and on the same trip, uh, went down to Kaneohe Bay, Hawaii, uh, to scout out there. And it was great, too, because one of the mission pastors from a supporting church, a partner church, great partner church, Second Baptist, came with us. Uh, Vince Bluebaugh was his name. Yeah. And uh, we just kind of thought of him affectionately at the time as Uncle Vince. And so basically, yeah. my wife and I are taking this trip as a couple to beautiful Southern California, where we'd never been together, and Hawaii, of all places, where we'd never been together and Vince is our third wheel for the entire <laughs> the entire trip, and yeah. oh man, that's that's something you can't look back on and think about without just breaking into into laughter. It was fun. So we <laughs> yeah, we checked out those two places. I was actually leaning a little bit towards Hawaii. Um, Vince and my wife were both really feeling Southern California, really sensing that's what we should pursue. And so after several weeks of just kind of thoughtfully approaching it, prayerfully approaching it, and seeking counsel. Uh, we did we did choose uh, Southern California. Yeah. You guys went there and um, pretty quickly we connected with Trace Martinez and uh, you and Trace planted Pillar Oceanside. Uh, planted out there with Trace. Trace was finishing up his time in the Marine Corps. So uh, probably for the first half of our time together, maybe a little bit more, he was still on active duty, which presented some unique challenge, challenges yeah. in co-planting together. But man, he, I mean, just worked worked hard and his Marine Corps responsibilities, but I, I would say brought an equal equal amount of passion and just hard work to the plant itself. And it was a slower start out there. We gathered our core team um, at an existing church and uh, several months into that started having our own worship gatherings um, actually on the campus where that, that church was meeting. And so it was more of a gradual plant and um, yeah. all, all total, my wife uh, and I and my daughter, and then our, our second born, our first son was born out there as well. We lived there for uh, two years working with Trace and Christy. Yeah, and uh, Trace is still there leading that church, so you guys got to do that together. And then um, as our project was designed, you you peeled off um, and went to plant again a third time. So tell us about your third plant. We just kind of got this growing sense that, that Trace and Christy were a much better long-term fit for yeah. SoCal. And they are, they, they really are. And Trace and Christy 
and the others who have served with him have just done a phenomenal job in that context. I think a better job than than I or we would have done had we stayed. And so we just kind of started exploring. We were thinking uh, 29 Palms was just just kind of a thought, but um, things were really coming together in Okinawa. Essentially what happened during that time frame was we had about four families, maybe five, from different pillar churches around the world receive orders to Okinawa. So we had we had a core team in place. We just were lacking a, a lead planter in that context. Yeah. And also there was um, some change in the billet on the base, I remember, and the, uh, the chaplain there was going to be leaving, and he was friendly to the project and yeah. was kind of encouraging, encouraging yeah, that's us right. to come sooner yeah, he, than later. Yeah, I mean, just phenomenal chaplain. There are a lot of Sometimes people are surprised, and they shouldn't be. There, there really are a lot of phenomenal, gospel-centered, missionally-driven chaplains serving yeah. in our military, and this was one of them. And what he had essentially done in a very, just a very upstanding way, just a very um, transparent way, he'd essentially planted a church inside yeah. the chapel on one of these bases. And so he has hearts for church planting. He knew his... He knew he'd be getting orders, and so yeah, he was very excited to uh, talk with us, and he was he was exceptionally helpful in the early days. Yeah, so you got to Okinawa, and you guys got to work pretty fast, and the church grew, I think, a little faster than any of us expected. Um, I don't know about you, but yeah, I mean, I think I was more surprised than anybody else. I, I I'm just a slow worker; like I put my head down and I work. There's nothing like flashy or um, it's just that's just it. It's just grinding it out. That's kind of who I am. And, um, so in the midst of grinding it out, we're just starting to see God, um, lead people to be a part of this plant in ways that, uh, it was growing faster than our experience in, in North Carolina, growing faster than our experience in, um, Oceanside. And, you know, to be honest with you, I'm really glad that I planted in those two contexts prior to coming out here, because what that did for me was remind me daily that, there were reasons why this church plant was growing faster than those other two. And one of those reasons was not me because yeah, yeah. <laughs> I had been a part of two plants that were just kind of slow, steady, maybe your more mm. normative church plant experience. Yeah. And, um, and I certainly wasn't causing any great thing to happen in either of those two places. So it was just really healthy. I think for my soul to have been in those two places, then come here where things yeah. were a little bit different and a little more accelerated and, um, and just to be reminded that hey, it's not it's not John Ransom that's uh, that's making yeah. it making it happen like this. So that, I think that was really healthy for uh, for my soul. So we've now hit the fourth area that we talked about in the video. So in 2011, uh, the video laid out. Northern Virginia, Eastern North Carolina, Southern California, Japan, and we've just walked through the launching of Pillar Church Jacksonville in Eastern North Carolina, Pillar Oceanside in Southern California, and now Pillar Okinawa 2016, Pillar Okinawa on the islands of Japan, specifically Okinawa, Japan, and those four areas, five years from that video, what at one point was a pipe dream or a neat idea that we did feel like God was in, but just humanly speaking felt like a long reach. Uh, there we are five years in all the way yeah. to Japan. Yeah, it's pretty incredible. Really, it really is pretty incredible. And now, you know, at the recording of this video, each of those uh, churches in those regions are strong and multiplying. 
you think about uh, what's going on at Pillar Church of, uh, of uh, Okinawa, multiplying churches among Japanese speakers in Okinawa. You think about what's going on at Pillar Church of Oceanside, uh, multiplying in San Diego and having already multiplied in other places. Pillar Church of Jacksonville having multiplied and Pillar Church Dumfries too. So we have four stable and multiplying churches. And I feel like we have to just say like, all praise to God, like so incredible. Well, we're going to go ahead and wrap up this segment of the the story. And next time we get together um, next week on the podcast, we're going to pick up the story where we left off and talk about what's happened in the years since 2016. For those of you who are interested in military church planting, I want to tell you about a book that we've put out called The Praetorian Project, Multiplying the Gospel Through Military Church Planting. And this is a simple read. It's just got 10 chapters, and it's about the unfolding of the Praetorian Project and sort of our ethos of ministry. The Praetorian Project is a really simple strategy to spread the gospel around the globe on the backs of U.S. service members. It's so simple, actually, that it's hard to even call it a strategy. And we want to see men and women in the U.S. military become faithful, committed followers of Jesus and then to use their careers to spread the gospel around the world to organize and form new congregations. In short, we're aiming to plant a network of gospel-loving churches in military communities worldwide. If that resonates with you and you want to know something more about that, check out our book, Praetorian Project, Multiplying the Gospel Through Church Planting. You can find it on Amazon or anywhere books are sold. Thank you for listening to the Church Planning Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a review on your favorite podcast app. Today's episode of the Church Planting Podcast is sponsored by New City Network, the church planting ministry of McLean Bible. A special thanks to all of today's guests from the Praetorian Project. Josh Taransky produced today's show. Zuki Bastian was our showrunner, and her husband Nick was our editor. Thanks to Hudson Taransky, who provided administrative and web support for the program. And last but not least, thanks to you for listening all the way through to the very end of the Church Planting Podcast. If you'd like more information about the show, feel free to visit our website, www.churchplantingpodcast.org. There you can find all of our past episodes, as well as notes and links from today's show. We're also on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Be sure to tune in next week for another episode of the Church Planting Podcast.